thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. We are jumping in to uh, another talk here in our 11th part of the Luke series. And really the main thought today is we make Jesus most purely known by helping to remove the hindrances for people to experience Jesus. We're kind of talking about removing the hindrances. And uh, as Tim mentioned, the, the flow, if you go into the app and, and click on the notes for today, your, your note sheet will actually have all the blanks filled in already because we haven't found a program we like that allows you to interact with it yet. Uh, but So you could cheat that way or you could fill out the physical piece of paper if you want. Either way, it's up to you. But we're going to take a big chunk of Scripture here today, so sit back and Enjoy this ride as I read Luke eleven thirty three through 54. Really two segments. We'll pause here in a second in between them. Verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. So, or see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Okay, right? So that's the moment of teaching. Now, the application in a really fun, blow-your-top kind of way. Listen to this. Uh, Verse 37. Jesus had finished speaking, and a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table, but the Pharisee was surprised. He noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you... You Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor. And everything will be clean for you. Interesting teaching. Verse 42, listen to this. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respect greetings in the marketplace, and respectful greetings in the marketplace. 
Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. Verse 45, on one, uh, one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus replied, And you expert in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They, they killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God, in His wisdom, said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world. From the blood of Abel and the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you've hindered those who were entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege and plan to besiege him with questions, waiting and to catch him in something he might say. <laughs> so there's a lot here today, and we're going to attempt to cover a ton of it. And I mentioned last week that, that we're going to be tackling some massive chunks of text because our goal in the Luke series, we've been walking verse by verse so far through the first half of Luke, and we're going to finish the last half in between now and Labor Day. So it may help you when you see we're like in Luke eleven thirty three through 54 to kind of jump ahead and read behind and kind of get context of what's happening. Uh, that way when we're reading big chunks like that, you won't just go, what am I doing today? Let's see, I got a mow, wash a car, you know. And then all of a sudden you're back when we're done. I know how that goes because I'm the same way. While I was reading, I was there doing that. But anyway, so it's like I just, a squirrel, you know. It's just kind of the way I work. And, uh, but we're, we, we want to finish by Labor Day because we have some incredible things that are going to happen after that. But I, I'm not going to tell you because I want you to just sit back and anticipate uh, uh, of the future. We, we have some very cool things that are happening, and we'll probably make those known here in a while. But until then, it's going to make you wonder. And then uh, uh, we're, we're, we're having a blast in this series and, and taking a look at a really weird piece of text today. I mean, honestly, like this is one of those you're going, okay, Jesus, the loving Jesus just kind of went off, didn't he? Like, am I reading this right? And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a room where somebody just absolutely, spontaneously, unexpectedly loses it. And, and you're sitting there going, you know, you're kind of uncomfortable. Well, depending on the venue, you know, it's like somebody pushed the final button and they just went off and you're like, it's a tornado in a room. What just happened, right? And I don't know. I was thinking about uh, the reality of what happens here. Jesus gives a great, insightful teaching at the beginning, you know. Don't hide the light. And you should live as a light. And, like, your eye is the key to that. And your whole body is involved. So be a light to this generation. I mean, it's simple. And then he, he missed the wash your hands sign on his way in or something, you know? Have you ever seen that in bathrooms? And you're just like, you know, I guess they didn't have these back then, but he misses the wash sign, and so now they're going, uh, okay, Jesus didn't wash, that's awkward. 
And, and you're going, well, now that sets him off. <laughs> and we just see that he's like going to, he's going to have some, a pretty interesting moment here. Now, here's just for free. People who don't wash your hands when you're in the bathroom and somebody's at the sink washing your hands and you sneak out of the stall thinking nobody's seeing you exit without washing your hands. But we really notice. Just to let you, in case you wonder, if you thought you were invisible, but no, we notice. We notice. I try, well, okay, I can't go down that road anymore. I'll just leave it alone. Um, so much more to say. So much not going to say it. So here we are. It's discernment. In my old age, I'm getting more discerning. That is really awkward because I would have put my foot way deep in my mouth right there. Um, I, love, I love the moments that are caught on video. I don't know if you're like me every once in a while. You'll get that ridiculous pleasure by watching somebody lose it and, like, jump through their television after a sporting event. Did anybody see that guy after the Super Bowl? He was so mad that he, like, jumped through his TV. I loved that video. Or the guy who destroyed his, like, media room because his team lost. I think that was a San Francisco fan. I mean, probably. And, and, you know, just demolishes everything, his counters. He's breaking stuff. It was like, oh, my word, those videos, they just lost it. You can kind of have compassion for those guys, you know. Um, and it's kind of funny, right? You're sitting back. I don't know. One of the, I was trying to think, man, what instances have I been there? And it's just kind of hilarious to watch somebody lose it. And then I went back, and some of you are too young to get this, but uh, especially with the 40th anniversary this week, I just went there real quick to Matt Foley. In a van down by the river. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Matt Foley. Uh, it was, that character on Saturday Night Live was awesome. And he would just go off on people randomly. And he was on Conan O'Brien, actually. Uh, and he was talking about, where did you come up with this character, this motivational speaker that lives in a van down by the river? And he says, well, it's a combination of my dad and one of the coaches I had in high school. And he's like, he's like, my dad would just be sitting there eating dinner, and, and everything would be calm and, and natural. And then all of a sudden, he'd go, why did you not mow the lawn today? You know, and he's just like, I was like, oh, my word, that is hilarious. I can totally see that happening at home, right? Or a coach just like, great catch. Why didn't you run the right pattern? You know, play or whatever. It's not a pattern anymore. It wasn't crocheting on the field. <laughs> it's the wrong pattern. Oh, sorry, coach. Um, but so Matt Foley is such a hilarious character, right? And, and he just loses it. But for some of you, when you hear a passage like this, it doesn't bring back funny thoughts at all. You're not laughing at it because, like, somebody raising their voice and going off in confrontation and rebuke makes you have very unhealthy memories of environments you've been in where that just crosses a line real fast. And, and abuse followed, or verbal abuse. It was a place you just lived in as the norm. And, and so you read somebody saying, whoa, this, whoa, that, six times in a row, and you're like starting to hide and go in your happy place, and, and the tree fort you used to hang out in, or the blanket you would hide under, or the, you know. So wherever you're at, your experiences, God wants to use while reading a text like this. Like, you've experienced what you've used, and he wants to turn that. It promises us in Romans 8, 28, that he's going to work all things for good. So he intends to use your experiences, turn them around, so that you can experience this text in a way that will bring a specific light to the love of God in your life. 
So that from that perspective, I want us to really open up the text and kind of look at it today, see what's happening here and how we can connect. As I mentioned before, we have a teaching followed by an observation, Jesus missed the hands wash sign, which leads to six woes, or you could call those rebukes, followed by religious people strongly, it says, fiercely opposing Jesus. One might argue that Jesus could have taken an interpersonal skills class before, like, going on to the mission for three years, and maybe he wouldn't have made it to the cross, but one might argue on the other side, he may have had moments like this where he blew his top. There's another moment where he gets angry and throws tables, and, and, and where he needed to do that so that the prophecies would come true that he would make it to the cross. They had to be mad enough at him that they would throw him into capital punishment, take his life, so that you and I could put our faith in the price he paid giving His life for us. That's salvation. Salvation is that we can put our faith on the fact that Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on a cross for us. They buried Him. He rose three days later. And because He conquered death, hell, and the grave and ascended into heaven, we can put our faith on Jesus and have eternal life through faith in Him. That's the gospel, the good news. It's great news. But He had to tick a few people off in order to get to that cross. And this is one of those moments that we get to study. But there's some cool teaching here that I think will help you and I today. Again, we make Jesus most purely known by helping to remove the hindrances for people to experience Jesus. So what are these hindrances? There's five hindrances, right? What are the hindrances Jesus addresses? The first one is hidden or hiding the light hiding the light. There's an interesting word here that I think hasn't gotten credit over the generations when I've heard this story. Places have become our faith versus the mission of the faith carried out in places. I'll read that one more time. Places have become our faith versus the mission of the faith carried out in places. Again, let's read verse 33. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. In a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. See, the bowl and the hiding gets all the credit. Little songs kids will sing. Hide it under a bushel now. I'm going to let it shine. I don't know if you grew up in church, but they, they might learn that song. Probably not at Open Life. Anyway, but, there, you know, there's just like there's those traditional songs. And, but it's like, you know, that, that you don't want to hide your light. But the interesting thing, I don't know. Maybe I just missed it over 42 years of life. I know I look like I'm in my 20s. But anyway, um, you, you have this place in the middle of the text here. The place. Jesus is talking about sometimes that light's hidden by a place. Jesus addresses it here in verse 33, and he also addresses it in verse 43 when he's giving the, the second woe. He confronts the re- religious rulers about the place they sit in the place of worship or get the greeting they desire. There's this pride going on, and, and he confronts it. 
They would rather receive a greeting than give one. And the root of, of pride in our modern-day world is also one of the things that's destroying the movement of faith. It's a place called church. Now, what, Pastor that? what are you talking about? What's, huh? The buildings in some ways have become the greatest obstacle to the message of Jesus. Because we put our hope in a facility or we put our hope in a place to do the work when really God wants to equip people to do His work. It's all about people. And so we see church buildings that are supposed to help share the light of the gospel shut the light off. The building becomes the bowl. And they become about themselves. And they forget about the community. They're there to go out and serve. It's a challenge. Now, I have nothing against church buildings. I think they can be used as a great good in the community. But I think right now we're witnessing the reality that it's a very hard to reproduce model to have humongous church facilities that have to go through years of legal proceedings to be built and then... Something happens and those buildings get sold and become industrial parks. It's a challenge. I'm challenged with that. One of the reasons we meet in the school, well, we couldn't afford one of those buildings. <laughs> you know? I mean, $2.3 million for that Albertsons building? Yeah, pretty much. I think I could do a lot in the community with that. Maybe that's wrong thinking and the Lord will change it. Doubt it. But anyway, uh, right here we have this challenge that someone being a bright light has way more impact than someone going into a building that's supposed to be bright for them. Someone being a bright light has more power than somewhere being a bright light. Let's not put our hope and trust in places but people. Interesting challenge from Jesus there. It's a hindrance. What about the second one? The second one addresses this issue of lightless eyes. That the eyes are like the window into the body, the soul, the spirit, right? Jesus should be visible in our eyes. Our eyes are a sign of health in our body. Like our life somehow is coming out. Your eyes are a lamp to your body, it says. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. And, and do you see that the illustration transitions from the place to the person. And I believe that's so intentional by Jesus, right? He's talking about a place with a light that's hidden, and then he goes, your body is a light to your, you know, your eyes are a light to your body. So he's going, it's about the body. It's about us. It's about this, this which the Bible calls a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Like our body is the church. Like people are the church, not the place. We are the church, and the eye is a window into how we're doing. How are we doing at connecting? How are we doing at serving? How are we doing at sharing with God and each other? How are we doing at that? Our eyes can be a light to that. Have you ever seen anyone with what I, I, I call it, I've said it before, but Jesus' eyes? Like there's just something about them. Their eyes are just like full of life, and you're like, okay, something's different with that person, right? Let me give the antithesis. Have you ever seen a demon-possessed person up close? And, and if you have, you know what dark eyes look like. Like, 
deep darkness in someone's life. And I've had the opportunity to encounter demonic possessed people over the course of years, and that's creepy. But God talks about it, and we have authority over the enemy and all these different things, so it's like real to life. But that darkness is very visible. But the light should be just as visible through your and my eyes. So what dims that? Because Jesus, in this odd twist, he goes after these guys and says, you guys are like unmarked graves that people walk over. What is he talking about? He's like, you're invisible. Your teachings are empty. Your lives are ones that are actually making people unclean. In the day, the people would have got this illustration. They couldn't touch the dead. They couldn't touch a grave or in their Jewish culture. They would be considered unclean. So he's like, you guys aren't teaching things that make people right with God. You're putting so much on people that they can't get right with God. And he's going right at them. Jesus is coming on pretty strong, but we also see teachings on the eyes throughout the Bible. Here's three passages. Job 31 verse 1 says this, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Well, obviously then that that's, that's something that takes light from our eyes if we're looking lustfully on a woman. Because get this, Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 28, I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. Culture makes it pretty tough and hot to do that, <laughs> right? So, so those, those are some very direct issues that our eyes are like directly tied to like our, our purity, the way we treat others intimately. Our eyes can cause us to sin, 1 Corinthians 6 says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. So you read this and you go, oh my, you know, the eyes, the body. Jesus is giving us a deep teaching here in Luke 11, encouraging us to have pure vision towards other people, to be those that would not give ourselves to lusting over others and, and, you know, being a creeper, I guess. You could just, let's just define it, creeper, right? But then you realize how the tendency is to be a creeper in our culture. Like it's built up like it's cool to be a creeper. That's just not right. So stop looking. I'm just kidding. Uh, like, be the church later. Hmm, could it be Satan? And, you know, it's the, the church lady would tell you, stop looking. And that's just like, here's the deal. We know why to stop, not just to stop, but we know, okay, my eyes are like a direct connection to how I'm living life. Am I living life as a light for people or darkness? Because if I give in to what my eyes are given into a tendency to lust, then I'm turning out the shades. I'm becoming darkness, and I don't want to be that guy. Number three is another interesting topic, greed and wickedness. One of the hindrances to people coming to faith is greed and wickedness. Why? Because it's neglecting justice for the poor. Jesus addresses this initial conversation about, uh, you know, not washing his hands by them being 
dirty on the inside, not on the outside. Now, you could be tying that to their eyes, and, and they're looking on women lustfully, or they're just not being really generous as they're encouraging other people to be generous. And he just points out the reality, hey, you're being greedy because you're not even helping the poor around you. You're consuming all this yourself. People are giving, and they're being faithful, but you're not giving back the way you're supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a vessel for, for funds to come in and then go out and impact a city and a community, not just to be consumed, to build places to be our faith. Jesus challenges here, the cure to greed was generosity. And, and that's something we just always talk about at Open Life. We're not freaked out to talk about it. Generosity to the poor, specifically. Jesus illustrates in red letters that we should be a both and people. What am I talking about? Well, the Pharisees were either or. They were either going to clean the outside of the cup and leave the inside dirty, or they were going to clean the inside of the cup and leave the outside dirty. For some reason, they didn't get that you could do both. You could be generous and help those that are facing injustice. You can do both and. You could tithe and you can carry out justice. It wasn't, well, I help serve so I don't have to tithe. Well, that's not what Jesus taught in red letters. He's challenging us here. Jesus here is saying all or nothing. Come on, both and. Let's not do either or and, and then think that somehow helped. Number four, burdening people. I think we've all, we've all experienced this in some way or another. The teachers of the law, okay, get this now, because Jesus addresses two people, right? The Pharisees, they were like the preachers of their day. And then the Pharisees, though, were told what to preach. These are the teachers of the law. They're the ones who go, oh, yeah, I think this is a good law. Let's make this one up. And then, uh, here, guys, you guys go teach that to the people. And so these guys are like, thank you. And then they go teach it to the people. And, but it was so much. It was adding on to what God intended in original Old Testament passages. He gave them 10 commandments. And then all of a sudden, you have 160 laws with then every Pharisee and teacher of the law kind of created their own laws beyond the 160. And so there's like so much they couldn't do it. And they would go to church leaving going, I think it was 15 more commands they just gave me. How am I going to do that this week? And it was a downer. They couldn't find their way to God. And Jesus just cuts to the chase here and says, you're loading people down. What you should be doing when people come to you, the solution is a four-letter word. Help. The word is here to help us, not to load us down with more rules. It's to say, no, Jesus came to give us freedom, to take the weight off, to lift the burden, not put it on you. Help. A movement begins with someone doing something. Jesus said, you're loading people down when you should be helping them. Just begin to help those facing injustice today. The smallest step forward will create a movement. doesn't matter what it is. Do something. God 
God's love should compel us to help, to be people of action. Injustice should bother us. The injustice of people of the faith being hidden in buildings and making people jump through hoops to be lovers of God through us, the injustice brought on by faith should make us repent when people tie awful things and the weight and negative onto the church should make us go, I'm sorry, God, that the church has represented that because we must be those who pitch in this mission of making Jesus known. we got to pitch in. We've got to be helpers. What's happening through Open Life is very special, and it's, and it's cool to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the community and being out in the city and, and being present with our community and, and the community embracing the light that's within us is just unreal how we're invited to whatever table. And, and I just, I'm like going, okay, Lord, thank you that we've got it, that we're a help. Thank you that somehow we caught that. So catch yourself before you wreck yourself, I'd say, right? The next time you're, you're guiding someone to Jesus by adding something to their plate, I hope a warning bell goes off in your, your mind. And you go, oh, wait, no. Okay, this is just totally free. I, I'm supposed to help. You know, it's like, how do I find Jesus? Well, first you need, to, oh, wait, okay, no, 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 okay, wait. Well, Jesus just loves you, so just open your life to that. Not, well, you got to read, first you got to read your Bible at least five, ten minutes a day, I think, ten, yeah, sure, and then pray this much, and then, you know, no, that's not the heart. The heart is just like, okay, start to learn about Him. I mean, one, He loves you. Boom, you know? When you find yourself introduced or <laughs> instructing them versus identifying with them, that's when the, the, the meter should just go, oh, okay, I'm almost, I'm starting to load them down. I should just try to identify and listen better versus become instructor person. And that's hard. Point five, final point. Here we go. This is the big one. Keeping people from salvation. Keeping people from salvation is a hindrance, you think? (laughs) That's what's being talked about to the experts in the law here. He says, woe to you experts in the law, because you've taken away the key to knowledge. The gospel is what he's speaking of. You yourselves have not entered. In other words, they had not put their faith in Jesus. And you have hindered those who were entering. This all goes back to what are we doing that hinders people coming and finding Jesus. Why, when I'm in a room of people who don't attend church, and I'm introducing the church to them, and I go, you know, hey, um, you know, I'm a pastor at Open Life, and uh, we meet at Bonnie Lake High School, and, and a good person to come is somebody who doesn't go to church because um, they either, you know, have been offended by the church or they, they know a Christian. And everybody laughs. They're like, they wouldn't go to church because they know a Christian. And then they're all like, yeah, I wouldn't go to church because of some of the Christians I know too, right? And, and they kind of chuckle about it, and you're going, but wait, that means in some way, shape, or form, a religious person like whom he's addressing here, Pharisees and, and teachers of the law, they were a hindrance to someone finding Jesus. And that grieves me that people can come to church, whatever church, and that's preaching Jesus, but somehow they go to church and they don't find Jesus, That messes me up. 
Because I've gone to churches and I haven't seen Jesus anywhere. They never opened a Bible. They had some interesting thoughts they tried to get us to catch. But I think we're supposed to be about Jesus. This final woe just comes right at them. I love how Matthew puts it. He says this in Matthew 23, 13, recording the same moment. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Ouch. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Man, what are we doing that's hindering people from getting to Jesus? Are we just in patterns that are actually hindrances? We need to always recognize that. I mean, we're very intentional here about being hospitable and having manners, I guess you would say. And so we put like passages up on the screen so it doesn't make you feel like you had to have the big family Bible in your hand, right, to where you could like follow along. Or we, give, we make apps and, and spend a lot of time making sure it's like ridiculously intuitive. And we, we, we do things to where it makes it, we're removing hindrances as we, discovering, as we discover them so that you can find your way to Jesus instead of putting more hindrances in the way, instead of making you feel like you have to behave before you belong. No, you belong. Jesus makes that very clear. This is a huge why for us, I guess you would say. It's, it's why we invest countless hours into just looking and saying, what are some things we could do to make it more comfortable for people to experience Jesus themselves? We make Jesus most purely known by helping to remove the hindrances for people to experience Jesus. Man, our challenge is just to help. How easy is that to walk out with today? Somebody might be struggling opening a door. Open it. Check the box if I did good this week. Right? You know, they're saying it's help. How simple is it to share the love of God with other people? Well, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, basically their biggest hindrance was they didn't choose themselves to follow Jesus. Therefore, they had nothing to pass on. They had no ability to recognize by the power of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't see the things that were hindrances. And so, same for us. One of the greatest challenges in our lives that would cause us to hide the light or be darkness is just that we haven't opened ourselves up to Jesus. So, I want to challenge you today. If you've yet to ever put your faith in Jesus, this is a great day to do it. Remove the hindrances. Not just for yourself. It's not, as much as it's a personal decision, it's not. You're, you have influence of people around you. And until you choose to follow Jesus, there's a hindrance for the others around you to follow. So I'm going to pray for you and give you an opportunity to respond today. God, I thank you that we can come through the doors every week and see Jesus, experience Jesus. And we're always going to keep Jesus the focus. Because that's what you challenge us to do. God, thank you that we have the ability to remove the hindrances and, and we recognize the fact that it's by serving others that they can most purely see Jesus if we just become a help. Sure, they'll see the act of service first, but then they'll realize our inspiration is Jesus. And that moment will allow a light to be so brightly turned on in their life and then the next person's life 
so that people are not facing injustices, but they're surrounded by those who are willing to help. Stir in us how we can help, Lord God. And for some in this room, the biggest way that they can help is to just finally cross that line of discovering Jesus personally and choosing to follow you as Lord. So if someone's here and they've yet to choose to follow you, I want to pray with them this simple prayer. Jesus, I choose you today. I want to follow you every day of my life. I want to know what it is to have you Lord in my life, and I look forward to growing in my relationship with you. In Jesus' name. It's that simple. God, as the worship team plays here, I pray that you would awaken the help that's within us. Awaken a vision, Lord God, for how we're supposed to help those around us. Awaken a vision this week. May our eyes be those that would be full of light and be open so that you can challenge us. How am I to help? And we'll be quick to take action. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, You can fill out the connection card on our app or online at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.